The Highlander Podcast is brought to you by Outdoor Product Design and Development, a four-year undergraduate degree focused on training the next generation of product creators for the sports and outdoor industries. Learn more at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode of the Highlander Podcast, we talk with John Acevedo, Principal Design Ambassador for Under Armour. We talk about his pathway into designing footwear, his role finding the next generation of design talent, and the meaning and importance of company culture. Welcome back, everyone. This is Chase, and today I'm joined by John Acevedo, uh, the Design Ambassador uh, for Under Armour. Thanks for joining me. Well, great to be here. It's an honor, really. Yeah, well, th- thanks for taking time. You've you've been a, a great partner and and friend of our program, the Outdoor Product Design and Development Program, for a while, and had hoped to get you out on campus. Um, you know, with everything going on, that's not possible. But thankfully, we can we can talk a little bit today and and maybe tease out some lessons and 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 get some of your thoughts on your background, um, kind of how things are going right now for you and and for the company and. Um, it will get you out here another time for sure. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I, I love the uh, program you guys are building and um, all the people I've met from the program have been awesome. So looking forward to that day very much. Yeah. In the meantime, um, glad, glad to be able to talk to you now and glad to hear that, that you're doing well. Um, we'll. We'll get into some of that. I kind of want to get your thoughts and um, as, as everything's broken out, um, would love to, to just hear a little bit about your thought process and, and what's been going on in, in your um, in your head throughout all of this, but kind of going back, um, we'll get into current events and everything that's happening now, but, uh, for those who don't know you, I, I want to peel back the curtain a little bit and learn <laughs> a little bit about your background and how you got into this industry. And, and, um, you know, from, from what I know, you've been in, involved in sports and outdoors for, for quite a while, um, yeah. a few different companies, a lot of the big ones. Um, do you mind sharing a little bit about your background, your pathway into this industry, and why sport and outdoor? You know, um, why, why this industry? You know, this all occurred uh, on a fluke. Um, I actually had a similar situation. Uh, I graduated from university uh, in 1994, and I graduated from a really tiny um, university in Rhode Island, um, which was Roger Williams University in architecture. And I'm um, pretty passionate about architecture. I uh, was really excited to go into the field. But um, I graduated during one of the worst building recessions for the Northeast uh, and, and practically most of the U.S. Uh, at that time. And so it was difficult. Times were really rough, uh, really hard to get work. Uh, nobody was hiring. If they were hiring, they were wanting you to work for free or work as a consultant because they didn't want to pay necessarily benefits or anything for, like that for you. Um, which coming out of school, I knew nothing about, which was daunting. Um, so you had to do your own taxes. There were all kinds of these things where you kind of had to set up your own business. And I was like, you know, wow, um, <laughs> just hoping to graduate and get a job. Um, 
And uh, there was a lot of things happening at this time in my mind. Um, my mom worked blue collar jobs forever. She immigrated to the States. I was the first to ever go to university for my family. And so it was really hard for me um, that, to know that that was happening, that my mom was still supporting me after the fact of um, got, having you know, gone through five years of school, getting my bachelor's degree in architecture, I was still living at home. And back then, it wasn't like an acceptable thing. You're like, geez, I'm, I'm not doing so well here. Um, so for me, what happened is I had a friend um, in architecture school. Uh, his name um, is Aaron Richter. And Aaron and I were talking in my third year of architecture school, and he told me about what he was doing for summer work. And um, it blew my mind at the time. I, I, you know, here's a, here's a guy who's pursuing architecture just like I am, and he was designing shoes for Saucony. Mm. Um, and we were both from the Northeast. Um, I was in, you know, from Salem, and I think he was up from uh, Newburyport. And uh, he said, yeah, that's what I'm doing for summer work. And uh, the next town over from me, I didn't even know that Saucony existed. I, you know, I knew the brand, but I didn't even know that they were there. And so um, when this all hit the fan and I graduated, I spent about a year and a half in and out of architecture jobs. Um, and then the restriction got even worse. And I got laid off my, my job and I decided, well, I'm just going to call Aaron and see if there's a way to like um, meet with somebody at Saucony to see if I could just even intern. And so that set off a series of events that changed the course of my life completely. Um, I did eventually get into Sasakini um, very quickly, interning there. And then I interned and then was hired on and spent about two and a half years at that brand, um, which was an amazing entrance into the, the world of uh, Fledex. Um, you know, Sasakini being a storied running brand, um, very well respected running brand. It was, and some of the people I got to work with there who I still like to this day love were amazing influences on me. Um, you know, they changed my life and my perspective on things. I found out real quickly that architecture was kind of a very slow moving pace. Building takes you know, a fairly long time to plan out and build. Uh, the bigger you go, the longer that time span is. And working at such a small scale and seasonally, I loved it. It was quick. It utilized every bit of my, my ingenuity. Um, I had to learn things that I never thought I had to, you know, particularly even had in my mind to learn. Um, going from architecture at that time, which everything was hand-drawn, hand-drafted, um, was easy. You know, it had a parallel rule. You had a triangle. You're set. Um, soft goods, not so easy. So <laughs> it's a more organic process. And so I had to learn a lot of things on the fly, and Saucony was amazing for that. They took the time to really teach me about the fundamentals of biomechanics, um, all the things that you would need, why they're important, why you should have a respect for those subject matters, um, marketing, biomechanics, um, even down to sales. Uh, we were small enough where I got to see all of that at that brand. Um, so till this day, I, I really appreciate the education I got there because it really set me off on a solid path um, and really gave me a respect for performance footwear versus just aesthetic or uh, fashion footwear. It, it seems like you could have easily, well, I don't know, at, at that stage of your life, you know, from, from what I'm hearing, 
it was just hard to find any opportunity. And, and so you kind of found footwear design just out of a sheer need, right? It's like, I got to find yeah. something. Yeah. Um, is, is that accurate to say? You kind of just took what was in front of you and, and ran with it? I, that's incredibly accurate. I, in fact, I remember saying when I started doing footwear, because, um, you know, here's my mom thinking like, you're doing shoes or you're making shoes. And I'm like, no, no, I'm actually designing the shoes. I'm not like fact, you know, physically making the yeah. shoes. Um, and she's not understanding that, and especially like she thought I was going to be an architect. Um, that was a big hurdle for her to kind of wrap her mind around. Um, but I remember there was a certain point when I started working at Saucony, I said, I'm just going to do this for a couple of years to pay down my student loans. And um, I laugh at that now because it's, you know, that two years I was supposed to spend doing footwear turned into like a 25 year you know, career. Right. Yeah. And, it and awesome. it's, it's for so many people like footwear design is the dream, right? It's become this yeah. whole, you know, it's, it was already an industry, but it's at yeah. a whole nother level now, right? It's this coveted role, right? To be a footwear designer. Um, when back yeah. then, you know, you, you say footwear designer and people think you're a cobbler or something, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting. Um, and this is advice that I try to give, right? I, you know, you were graduating and you took an internship. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think you didn't let your pride get in the way. No. It's like, well, I deserve, you know, a full time no, job. Um, and, and you could have never known what that internship would have turned into. Right. I, and I think at no. this point, like we're we're in very different territory, but similar in, you know, in a way, you know, in terms of maybe limited opportunities. Um, and sometimes, you know, just taking what's in front of you can lead to you never know what that can lead to right you don't um you know the way i was raised i i really i tried not taking anything for granted um i knew that this was an opportunity i didn't know where it would lead um i certainly didn't think it would be this far into it. i you know be 25 years into it at all but what was so great about it and i think this is what you're getting at is um sometimes the the most smallest things change the course of your life in such a profound way. Cause when I went to that internship, the people were amazing. Um, and they took care of me and they cared about what I thought and how I was doing my job. And, um, I felt a level of confidence and, um, integrity with the work that they were doing. That was just amazing. So, um, I went with it. Yeah, that's 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 advice that I I try to give is um you know in some ways you know if if it's the right opportunity it's it's worth doing it for free right just just to get that experience and and invest in yourself or it, it's worth you know getting that internship even if you're you know graduating and that seems you know beneath you right to to do that it's like nothing should be beneath you if if you're investing in yourself and you're getting experiences and, and you're surrounding yourself by really good people. Right. Right. Um, um, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, you, you know, that you said there is like, look, the universe works in incredibly mysterious ways. Um, if something's just handed to you like that and you're given an opportunity, you're absolutely right. You just never know what you're going to learn or how it's going to impact your life. And you got to look at it. Um, I grew up in a situation where um, I was a product of a single family, you know, single parent household. Uh, we didn't have a lot. 
um, it took everything, every bit of resource we had to get me through college and university. And um, I looked at that as like a saving, it was a lifeline to me. I was a, it was a lifeline to do something meaningful. Um, even if it was to like, you know, when I was doing architecture, I was doing blueprints in a basement. Hmm. And when you did blueprints in a basement, it was a smell of ammonia and it was nasty. And I was doing that for eight hours a day in the architecture field. I got into Saucony. I had my own office, my own desk um, they treat, as an intern. They treated me really extremely well. Um, it was in the heart of the building at the time, so you didn't have any windows, but you still had your own office. I mean, it was yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. um, and I was expected to be creative, and my thoughts mattered. Um, and that was a big shift. And so I, I didn't have that going into architecture. Um, and I wouldn't have had that for many years later um, had, had I stuck with the field. Um, that's because that's just the way um, that field works. So going in as an intern, I, had, I was being paid and I had even benefits. And so that was amazing. I mean, going from literally nothing to a lot. So, you, if, you know... I've never looked at any opportunity as being beneath me, even now. Um, I, I literally am known to say with people within my, my office, like, if they need my help, I'm not above getting you coffee or doing or helping you do drawings because I want to learn. And even if you got a person coffee, you're going to learn something about that person. And even if you did their drawings, you're going to learn something about them as a human being. So, this is the biggest hang-up I think people have is that they feel sometimes entitled to things. Um, and I don't operate in that world. I never have. Um, I generally just want to learn about people and spend time with people. And that's gotten me really far in this world uh, in terms of my own personal growth and learning about other people and what um, makes them tick and how you can be a part of their world. So. I want to dive in a, a, a lot more into that, um, you know, just your work with people um, and kind of how that relates to, to your current role. And, and we'll, get, we'll get to that point. But did, you know, as you were, you know, going down this path of architecture, did you have an awareness of, of product? Did, you know, were there certain products that stuck out to you, to you? Did you have an appreciation for good product, for, for good design as it relates to products? Or is that something that you discovered when you fell into this, this role? Um, well, college was a, a major mind bender for me because I had gone through high school with um, very little to no art um, being in my, in my foundation at all. Uh, I knew that there was a painting studio. I didn't even know how to get into it in high school. Um, the only thing, that, as close as I got, was a uh, drafting course that was taught by a gentleman, Mr. Leonard, um, and he was awesome. You know, I still remember the sweater, the cardigan sweaters, and, the, and he, was a, he was a hard man, but he cared, and he cared about all of us. And uh, it was wonderful because he taught me uh, the value of being, having perseverance and, and a work ethic. And um, so I, I truly look back on that time as being incredibly formative um, in my development and really understanding, like, hey, um, this is there's more life and so i had gone from high school into college um kind of like with that curiosity and so when i got to college i i, I went full like 
way into the creative like architecture i like lived ate slept the studio that's all i wanted to do i wanted to be creative i built models i i did all kinds of um, different mediums i explored everything i could i was voracious um people in the studio I, i'm sure if you you know you got some after davids from people during that time when i was there they would tell you i, I was there all the time um, people would leave and come back and I'd still be in the same clothes building this model. And it was like years of repression of like creativity that came out of me in those five years. And then I even eventually got into the art program at the uh, university and was able to um, be a TA for metal welding and, and sculpture. And so that was a whole new avenue that opened up. And I, you know, I started going to junkyards, getting scrap metal, putting things together um, and so I, I was not aware of myself until much later than most people, um, which was crazy to me. I'd always had an interest in certain things. I remember being very young and working, um, for this lady that I worked, who taught me English. I, I didn't even speak English when I got, um, I was born in the States, but I didn't speak English. My parents were immigrants. They spoke only Spanish. Um, she taught me English. And then, um, when my dad passed away, she um she offered to like give me work um, and it was just menial stuff it was like going to her house and like chopping vegetables or learning how to take care of her yard or ironing clothes and i remember her saying like um i really like your work ethic so why don't you come over and do this and um so i did that for from the age of nine until my last year of university even beyond that so this relationship goes back many, that's a story for another day. And what I'm trying to go with that is, is that, um, um, you know, these experiences that you have, they're so formative into getting you uh, where you need to be. And so going back to the question, I just was latent. I just didn't, I was, God, I just didn't get the opportunities. And so when they came, I was like, yeah, I'm into that. And the reason she's important is because when I worked for her, she and her addict had architectural digest magazines. And so I grew up looking at those on whenever I could sneak away in her attic and look at them and the layout, the graphic design and the architecture were always things that I, I just loved. So again, like it was this delayed growth in the arts. I'd always been looking at it. I had always been kind of like, you know, understanding it, but it wasn't until later that I really started to really appreciate what things were and how they worked and what was important and what was um, captivating. Right. It, it seems similar to just the sports and outdoor industry being, I, I, you know, people, I don't know, realize it's, it's as, you know, in some ways as legitimate of an, as, as an industry as it is, or, or creativity, right? Because maybe they just don't have access to it, right? Like, you know, pe yeah. there are probably so many people who could thrive in the sports and outdoor industries, but they just don't know it's available to them. Same as creativity, right? Right. You know, because you started to get access to it, right? You something inside of you was unlocked, right? Yeah. Um. You know, and and maybe you didn't know that product was that thing that you had inside of you until you got the opportunity at at Saucony, right? Yeah. Um, so there's this whole question we, we could do like a whole part two, right. On just 
<laughs> like how to provide more access to like creativity to, yeah. to more people, right? Or yeah. outdoor experiences to more people and, and what that does to unlock something in those people. But um, I, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, the, the train of thought you were going down just kind of made me think of that, you know, this, this question of access to, you know, creativity and, and, and that's kind of why I'm doing the work I'm doing now. Um, I've been doing this work um, as a hobby for a long time. And the work I'm talking about, um, you know, obviously I have my job. I'm a designer. That's what I'm known as. My title's been creative director, designer, senior designer, all that stuff. But the work that I'm here to do on Earth, I think, has always been to, you know, I've been super fortunate to have very, good people in my life that have steered the course of my life. Um, and now I'm trying to really work on doing that for other people. So being a design ambassador, you know, I, the, I love that, you know, people always ask me, what does that mean? And it really means is I'm trying to find the next generation of talent for the brand. And I take that work very seriously. Um, I do feel it's part of what I'm here to do and, you know, we, you know, we always search for that higher calling or purpose. Um, it's something that I've invested my time on willingly over the years, but now I have um, the backing of a huge brand and a platform that they've given me to see if I can make a, a scale, you know, mass scaled reality for people. And so um, as fortunate as I've been to have people change and shift the course of my life, maybe now, um, is my opportunity to pay some of that back. Right. So we're, we're, we're jumping over some, some of your history, some really important pieces, but, but I also want to dive into the design ambassador side of things since, since we're going down that train of thought, but what, what prepares you to be a design ambassador? Um, you know, is it years <laughs> when that, you, when you find that out, tell me, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I guess where I'm going with that is you've, you've worked, um, for quite a few different companies, yeah. leading brands, uh, Fila, Adidas, at at all levels, right? Rising yeah. in the ranks, um, you know, up to senior design leadership. Um, so I imagine that gives you a really interesting perspective. When, as a design ambassador, you're, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, you're there to kind of set the tone or or create a culture or unlock that culture um, in a in a design team. Maybe share a little bit. What what is that? What does a design ambassador do? You alluded to it a little bit, but what are you doing day to day? Um, and what does that role really entail? So um, you're right. I mean, a lot of the things that I'm trying to do um, is to really kind of create a culture at Under Armour. Um, and there are other people who are working on this. I'm not the sole proprietor, proprietor of that mission, per se. Um, but I have a stake in it. And so what we're trying to do is really build an in, a strong internal culture. Um, and I, I spent a lot of time thinking about what that looks like. Um, and I spent a lot of time trying to you know, build the resources to support that. And also at the same time, try and draft out what it looks like to be on the outside, being able to speak uh, intimately to, to people about what it is to be at Under Armour and what we're hoping to achieve um, with the talent that we have there. Um, so there's, you know, there's a lot of parts to it. Um, three major ones, if I want to break it down, which is going out to the universities and building relationships that are meaningful, 
um, that not only benefit the university, but benefit Under Armour mutually in a way that is holistic. Not just, hey, we want your interns. We, we want to understand what that university is, how they're operating, how we can help and how we can lean in to help create the next um, set of students um, and to actually share with, our, with them our culture and how we're showing up. Uh, so there's that part of the work, um, which you could call it recruitment. Um, there's more of like a human resources aspect with our internal culture. Um, and there's a last part of that, which is more around um, trying to give back to our communities, which was, you know, that, that was an initiative for 21, which is definitely going to be pushed out. Uh, so there's three major parts to that. And the middle part is the, the one that's really sticky because that's, that, that's where everything good comes out of, which is our internal people and our culture. Without them, um, none of the other stuff matters. Because I could be bringing new talent in, but if they're not ready and if they're um, not being served well and we're not clear about where we want to go as a brand, then it's for naught. Um, so they're mo my most important um, part of what I'm trying to do and trying to um, achieve at Under Armour is to really give them the opportunities they want um, to connect them with people from the outside and to create a symbiotic relationship with those people. Right. If if you could um, if you could give a definition to the word culture, what what would that be without pulling out your Webster's dictionary? Um, what I, people throw that word around just as much mm. as they throw around innovation, right? Yeah. Um, what what is how would you define culture? You know, uh, I have my own definition of culture, and to me, it's more about family. It's really it's about all of us caring about each other in a very intimate way to where we understand each other and we understand and respect what we each bring to the table um, so that we can be stronger together. It doesn't have to do with like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, package up this nice word of culture um, and talk about just how we, we act and behave and, you know, we should be homogenous. It's about all the individuality that we have looking at that and accepting that and learning how to be one with each other and being strong in that belief. Um, so my definition is a little, little different, um, but I want everybody to be able to be able to sing at their highest octaves. That's ultimately at the end of the day, what would make me happy. And that's how I define and look at culture is giving everybody the opportunity to have their own diverse voice, and being and knowing that they're safe in a family that really wants them to see um, achieve their highest potential. That's a that's a great definition. I really like that, um, and it's different from what I think people perceive culture to be within a company. Um, for some people looking from the outside in, it's oh they've got ping pong tables or they've got amenities or you know mm -hmm. the company has stuff right. Right. Um, you know, entertainment for me while I'm at work. Um, no. Your definition is very different. And I think, you know, it's, it's really the polar opposite. I mean, not saying any of those things are necessarily bad, but um, there's, there's like a heart and a soul to what, to what you're saying, um, w which is a lot more yeah. meaningful. I, you know, at the end of the day, I really want people to have meaningful relationships with one another. 
That's the most important thing. If I had to boil it down, um, we spend anywhere from 40 to 60 hours together working. Um, I mean, we spend more time with these people than our families. Mm -hmm. And so that's got to mean something beyond just getting a paycheck. And it has to mean more in terms of human relations and spending time with each other than it's ever meant. Right. Especially after what's happening now. Yeah. So, so that, that kind of leads me into, you know, everything that's happening right now and, and why culture is so important, especially in these moments. You know, maybe take me back, you know, maybe a month or two, right? Um, you know, as, as all of this started to develop, what was your, your thought process? And then maybe we can talk about kind of where you're at right now and, and how you're feeling. Where, where was the company, where were you just a few months ago? as this was starting to, to rear its head? Uh, a few months ago, I was booking travel to go to Utah <laughs> to see you guys and spend some really quality time with you guys, and I was super excited about that. Um, I was actually doing some work with, uh, and still doing some work with the uh, Art Center of Pasadena down in California. Um, so setting up a studio with them, and we are, we're just about to wrap that up next week. Um, and I was just doing you know, getting more people ready for internships during the summer. Um, I'd had created a short list of people I was going to interview for um, the summer internship program, which is our favorite, really robust um, time to be at Under Armour as an intern. And I was like, super excited the people I found. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of like hope and optimism uh, for an amazing summer, getting to meet new people, really spending time with you guys in Utah. Um, and seeing some other universities uh, nationally and really trying to build up this, um, what I call the design embassy a lot more. Um, but then um, this thing hit. And so it would kind of reset everything. Um, so the second part of your question is like, it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a mind bender. Um, when you, you know, when I was, uh, when, when this hit, I was supposed to be down in California and uh, it was the weekend. And uh, it was, I think it was Thursday. Um, I had booked my ticket to go and I was going to be there next week. And the week, uh, I think it was on Monday. I was going to be there in Pasadena on Monday. And on Friday, the World Health Organization announced that this has um, gotten to a level of a pandemic. And I remember driving around kind of shell-shocked from that. And one thing you probably know about me, Chase, is like, you know, I care deeply about people. And I was like, I had people coming in from Baltimore to like California, which was one of the first early areas of getting any kind of sign of coronavirus or COVID-19. And um, I had to make a really hard call to like call the trip off and move everything virtually um, over the weekend for us to be still able to participate with the art center. And um I knew at the beginning of that that this was going to change everything. Um, and I, there was a lot of things swirling through my head during that time, for sure. And so it's still going on now. Um, How long ago was that? 10 years? 10 years ago? <laughs> it feels like it. <laughs> it totally feels like it. Um, it's hard to imagine it's been yeah. maybe a month, six weeks. Yeah, yeah. So where, where do you feel like you're at right now? How are you feeling, um, you know, with this month, 10 years that's passed, how are you feeling now? You know, I, I think more than ever, um, 
I find myself in a really incredibly introspective time. Um, it's really become important. And my, again, I got to give a lot of my growth and my learning um, is being, is through being married to my wife, who's amazing, Heather. And she's like, you got to make a list of people that you want to keep in contact with um, that you maybe haven't talked to. I mean, this is a big thing. Um, you got to be super aware of how people are feeling around you. And um, I really took that advice to heart. Um, so I've been trying to call people I haven't talked to in a long time. Um, just because it's important. We just don't know enough of what's going on out there, truly, to know that those people are going to be around. And again, it's this question and we talked about this at the beginning of the conversation really not taking anything for granted um, and trying to be present in the moment so if anything um, I think I'm really working hard to be more present in the moment than I've ever been that's amazing yeah that's a great lesson for all of us um, what, what have you learned about your team or you know your coworkers, the people that you work with day to day you know um it was interesting because we uh, were all really super creative people and I really appreciate that's my dog in the background. I don't know if you can hear that. Sorry about that. No, that's fine. We're all super creative. Our innovation, and so I sit in the innovation team and we're all super creative, driven people. And when this hit, we, we kind of like, we're in the same area. It's a very small area. We, we kind of see each other each day, but we're into our work. And that's one of the things I love about our team was like, we're so into what we're doing, um, but we didn't really communicate enough. <laughs> and so one of the things I, I've, I've helped to set up is like a Monday and like Friday check-in. So Monday is like you, let's set our intentions for the week, no matter if we get there or not. And then let's check in on Friday. And then that one little action has actually been awesome because we're, we're sharing more than we've ever shared before. And I love that. I've needed that. Um, when I went over to away from the creative side into the more um, part of what I'm doing now with recruitment and, and HR and I actually work with those two functions at Under Armour, it was kind of night and day because the way that recruitment and human resources works with, you know, with my role, we are a solid team. And it's something that I've wanted for a long time. And it's hard to create in the creative part, believe it or not, unless you're part of a consultancy and maybe you get a little bit more of that. Um, but with our team, what I'm finding out is like um, just the level of depth everybody has. And so having those little meetings at the beginning to set intention on a Monday and then Friday as a happy hour of sorts has really brought us closer together. Um, but again, I think that goes back to um, leadership and you know, if you get into that word, which is a loaded word for me, which really I believe it to mean stewardship, taking care of people, not necessarily leading them to uh, tell them what to do. It's more about allowing yourself to understand and see life through their eyes and then helping them achieve what they're trying to achieve, um, which is a, a different take on leadership. Uh, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about taking care of people and making sure that they're okay. Um, so I think if anything, this has kind of brought us closer together in a way that I didn't really necessarily anticipate. Right. In a time that it's really easy to be separated. Right. Oh, for sure. Um, how have you as a creative stayed um, motivated and 
creative during this time. I imagine unless you have like really exciting walls, yeah, I, you know, how do you, how do you stay creative when you're looking at the same, you know, your, your world is kind of the same every day. How do you keep it, you know, how do you make it different? How do you, how do you stay creative? Um, well, geez, this, this is like, um, one of those questions that just makes you go right back into your childhood. Um, so I, I you know, I, I told you I was, um, raised by a single parent. Uh, I was also, also an only child. So I had to find ways to be really creative with not a lot of stuff around me. So I've always had a pretty vivid imagination. So that's helped me out through this whole entire thing. That's not, <laughs> not a bad thing to have. Um, besides that, I, I've been trying to like do a lot more reading. Uh, since I have the time, actually, what's nice about this whole thing is that you get the opportunity to kind of run your own schedule a little bit. So I'll get up in the morning and walk the dog, which is something I've never been able to do, or you know, go on a walk with the family, um, which is again something that would be hard to do. Um, get home pretty late sometimes, and so that's really kind of opening me up to different ways of looking at stuff. Um, when you see how your kids look at something versus how you look at something and always it will impact you on the creative side. I, you know, I'm always trying to look at new inspiration, trying to find it anywhere. Instagram is amazing. Well of information. So is in Tumblr. So I've been hitting those pretty hard. Um, and then I just been thinking in this introspective thing, just get thinking back to what things I like to do. Um, I have a little bit more time than usual. Um, in some respects. So I've been going back to just drawing stuff, uh, stuff that makes me happy um, and really enjoying that, which is, uh, I got to say, it's, it's great. I've gotten my old tools from, you know, storage, um, some of my old architecture stuff and starting to break that out slowly, not very fast. Um, and I've been sketching again, which has been great, um, just because I have time to kind of think that way. So. Up until now, I mean, getting this off the ground, being an ambassador, I spend a lot of time writing emails, um, doing a lot of communications, which is like, I always turn it into a graphic um, design exercise every time I send something out. So it looks pretty tight. Um, I'd be remiss if it didn't. And so I've been using my creativity that way. Right. That's great. What, what uh, are you picking up any new hobbies or just a lot of old hobbies, getting them out of the box? I'm getting, I'm getting some of the out of the box right now. Okay. Um, nothing new yet, right. but I am, I wish I had one of my guitars. I was trying to learn how to play guitar for a long time. Um, they're both like, I should have picked one up. Um, I was in storage the other day. I should have grabbed one, but that would be great to learn how to do that again, or try to learn how to do that, at least practice. Um, but other than that, I, it's really about polishing off the old stuff that I really mm-hmm. loved. Yeah. Um, I, I'm actually going to start drafting on Mylar film, which is the last few years that I was in architecture school, I was doing all uh, kind of plastic lead on Mylar film uh, drawings. And I, I'm like just on the precipice of like, I got all the materials from storage and, you know, there's a couple of things that I need to order and I'm going to start model building again um, just to see what it's like, you know, nearly God, I'm nearly, almost 20 plus 25 plus years later what does it feel like to to run 
um, a pencil or a piece of chipboard and cut it out with an exacto knife and build something out of nothing. Right. Um, what does that feel like as a, you know, nearly 50 year old um, to go back to that space and just have to create with um, very analog things, no laser cutter, just your hands, some glue, an exacto knife, some chipboard, um, some plastic lead on mylar. What does that feel like? Because I know I miss it and I dream about it. So <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, with with technology, everything's moved that way, right? Design wise, yeah. I mean, three D apparel design, three D footwear design. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot that we've talked about. Um, yeah, it's. This is probably a great time to go back to the analog a little bit and just see what you know where that that path leads, right? And I think of one, you know, one of our students now, one of your employees, uh, Veronica. Um, you know, I, some of her work was always impressive to me. She did footwear designs that were collages, right? So she'd nice. come up yeah. with the, she'd come up with the uh, the silhouette, but then use, you know, make a collage, you know, to you know, and, and pull from existing patterns from magazines, and and I hadn't seen anyone do that, right? Um, I'm sure other people have, but, um, you know, I'm sure that opened up a whole another world, right? Or just using something a little more analog. So mm-hmm. this is a good time to do that. Um, you know, and if the power ever goes out, you know, I'm safe, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> that EMP explodes by accident or, yeah. um, you know, there's no electricity more in the world. Um, yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> right. I'll be still able to do what I'm doing. Well, and that's the, dis- I feel like, you know, we talked to our students about this, like they shouldn't, as a designer, they shouldn't be defined by the tool that they use, right? And right. I think that's where you have an appreciation for design across the board, whether it's architecture, footwear, apparel, you know, just design in all its different mediums. And you've dabbled in a lot of them. Um, if you limit yourself to one tool, if that tool, you know, the power yeah. runs out, what do you do? Right. And then I think you might start to question, you know, yourself as a designer, um, you know, or so I, I think that's interesting. Just, realizing what what is it that makes you creative right it's not the tool that you're using no that can help unlock things but it's all inside you right it's all inside you i you know back in i hate to say this back in the day um you would get blueprints from the factory and you were expected to alter those blueprints with um the tools you brought which, which typically was a french curve some white out and a red pen that's what i started with and I started going to China when none of the highways were built. In fact, you know, I've been going there for so long that it, there was no infrastructure for that. Wow. <laughs> so um, it's, you know, I have a deep appreciation for what analog means in, in a lot of different frames of reference. Um, when I talk about analog with some people, and this is, it, it makes me chuckle because the, the constant, thing that I get from the newer generation is like, well, you know, we got gravity sketch, we got this and, you know, I got Rhino and I've got this and I can, you know, I can use a computer to do this. And I'm like, I can too. But there's something satisfying about letting your hand take you on a journey and show you something that you've never seen before by accident by not trying to be so damn perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish more people would key into that. And some people that I've met, I'm actually working 
with a young lady right now um, has lived more on the engineering side is really trying to work to be an industrial designer. And um, she's kind of, you know, maybe this isn't quite that accurate, but she's a little bit afraid of drawing with her hand and sketching. Um, in fact, she's grown up in a world of just computerization of that bit. And I'm like, we have to go to the fundamentals. Um, when everybody is like so reliant on machines and programs, uh, and I love them. I mean, I, I gotta say, I'm, I love Illustrator to the nth degree. It's one of my favorite programs to use, and I've been able to bend it in so many different ways. Um, but yeah, sometimes you, you gotta be able to like do it with this analog and see what comes out because that slight twitch of the hand becomes a line that is actually something phenomenal that allows you to build off of that in a way that you never thought possible. So that's the only something you can get by drawing. Right. Because you're not trying to be perfect. Yeah. Have, have you seen um, with all of, uh, you know, the design team, everyone from, from Under Armour working from home, mm. it, it, you know, it, it definitely has felt like a long time, this whole experience. Um, <laughs> maybe not long in a product cycle, but the designs that you're seeing from, from the team, do you, do you see a difference? You know, when, when people are working from home, has, has their current situation influenced the design? Have you seen some of that happening? I or has it not been long enough to tell? Not long enough to tell. But I, my, you know, I, I look back in history, Chase, and I think about things that have happened. Um, and when we've had situations like this, historically, they've been some of the most creative periods of time. Um, when, you look, when you look back into history, when we had big movements of art. There were during some of the most dire, kind of nasty times in the, in the you know, free world. So um, I'm expecting that people are going to have time to really think through things where they may be distracted with devices or other people. Um, some of those things are, are kind of toning down a little bit. Um, so you really have some like bandwidth to really get in intimate with what you're trying to do. So I'm, I'm excited to see what comes out of it, to be honest. Um, I think this is a massive opportunity for anybody who's creative um, to reevaluate what's important to them, first and foremost, on a personal and deep level. Um, and secondly, to really look at your own work and say, like, how can I be better? Um, and how can I, my impact... Um, be more felt right so with with that how do you what would you say to people who you know maybe are looking for work right now students who are graduating like if there's not opportunities there how do you use this time like how what would you say to people um mm. regarding the time that we're in and and maybe you know obviously it's not the ideal situation to be graduating um or um, right. You know, a lot of people have been let go. What What do you say to those people? Um, you know, who this? You don't want to say this is an opportunity. It's you know, this is the mm. last thing that people want. But um, how do you rebound from this? Look, um, these are these are uncertain, hard times, and there's a lot of way pe people like deal with these these moments in time. Um, my advice would be 
is to to really search yourself out, understand how you want to come out of this. Like if you're not happy in your current situation right now, evaluate that. You're given time right now that I kind of evaluate what's important to you. Um, if you think you could be better at something, pick it up. Nobody's watching you. Nobody's like telling you what to do. If you feel a fear that you're you know, not good at something, this is the moment where you get to be good at something that you're afraid of. And so my first thing would be is to face your fear. The next thing would be to like really work on your craft, your storytelling. If you have that page in your portfolio you're not proud of, this is the moment. You've got to seize the moment right now. We hope that this goes away, that this doesn't um, upend us. And when I say we, I mean the whole, all of us. So the best way to do that is to keep positive and to know that we're going to be coming out the other side at some point. When you come out the other side, what are you going to be looking like? And what have you done with that time that you were given that you, you know, you typically don't get? So more than ever, it's more, it's so important for you to focus. Look inward and find yourself and ask the tough questions. How am I going to be better after this? That work is never work that's lost. And it's so important. And we live in a world where it's so easy to be distracted. And we've been told as a human race to sit down and take a moment. You see the impacts on the earth. Less smog than ever. Less pollution than ever. Animals coming back into some of our major parks. The whole human race has been told to pause. Do something with it. Do something for yourself, find yourself, and then get ready. Because once it gets back in, up and mobilized, you want to be clearer on who you are. Right. Yeah. I, along those lines, I've, I've I talked to a hiring manager recently, and her episode is, is going to go up here. Well, by the time this airs, it'll have been out. But um, she said one of the questions that she's going to ask people after all of this when they start hiring again is, what did you do at that time? How did you respond? Um, which I thought was a really interesting question. And, you know, everyone's going to be in a very similar situation, right? And so that's going to be one of those standard questions that you can ask is, what did what happened to you during the pandemic, right? It's this one thing that we've all shared, right? It's It really is a shared experience. And, and some people definitely, you know, feeling the impacts more than others. We've all felt it in a way, but, you know, there's, there's plenty of people who have felt it a lot harder. Um, yeah. to, you know, that's an understatement. Um, but I, I thought that was an interesting question and, and you went down that, that, uh, that path as well. So what do you, what do you do at this time? Um, you know, you, you mentioned this a little bit, um, you know, where do you see us, um, after this, you know, it's, it's hard to see into the future at all, mm -hmm. right. L let yeah. alone now. Um, but, but how do you see work changing? How do you see work at Under Armour changing? How do you see the work of creatives changing from, yeah. the, from all of this? It's hard to know because it depends on how long this goes, but. It's incredibly hard to know. Um, I wish I had that crystal ball. We st I still feel like we're still in the middle of it to even mm -hmm. know where the light at the end of the tunnel is. Some yeah. days. Um, 
it's incredibly hard to know what that's going to look like. I hope I have some hope on some things. Um, it's not necessarily forecasting or, or being a, a fortune teller, but I have hope that there is a more of an appreciation of what can be done, um, given the opportunity to work from home and having more balance. I think, um, as a society is, especially in American society, you look at how we operate in contrast to places like Europe, where they, they really take their leisure time seriously and almost have three months of vacation. We're completely opposite. We're, we're lucky if we get two weeks. Um, so I, I hope there's a, a broader sense of understanding of what it means um, after this to be part of a corporation and also be a family you know, person. And a deeper appreciation for what that truly means, not only from people that are out in the workforce, um, appreciating what their spouses do on a daily with kids <laughs> who are, you know, are particularly staying home. Um, I hope there's just a greater understanding coming out of this um, between uh, people that are working and people that are having to stay home with children. Um, I'm hoping that also there's a greater level of understanding of how we can use the tools that we have to achieve things when we're not together. And that we learn ways to you know, leverage and bend those tools um, to get a, give us greater freedom um, to get things done. Right. No, I think that's great. Um, I, you know, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but um, any other thoughts that, that you want to share about this topic and just kind of what maybe your thoughts and feelings, what else do you want to leave our listeners with? You know, um, I've been lucky to have uh, experience. I, I experienced some um, people from your program. Um, I have somebody I work with every day, Veronica, who you mentioned. Um, she's wonderful and a really amazing thinker. Um, and then I had uh, Hunter for you know, Oakland for, a spring rookie who's now been offered a job at UA um, on a contract basis, which you know, amid, amid this climate is like a miracle in itself. So I'm really yeah. proud of that. Um, yeah. Having found him and spending time with Veronica. Um, I think the important things for me um, to maybe leave listeners with is to uh, not give up, to have a lot of hope during this time, um, to be optimistic about the future. You have to be. Um, if we're going to survive this, we just, that's just not even a question. You got to try. Um, so remain steadfast and being optimistic and positive. Um, and uh, other than that, I think I am hoping that someday I get to see all of you and spend time with you in Utah versus just being in, in the virtual space um, that we're in right now. I'm looking forward to the day I can come onto the campus and actually shake hands, give hugs, um, and hopefully impart some of uh, my journey. And, you know, not, I'm not going to say wisdom, but um, at least some of the things I've learned um, in, in this world of the uh, athletic and outdoor industry. Um, so just really looking forward to seeing people again and, yeah. um, and having meaningful conversations with folks again. Same thing. Yeah. Same. I'm feeling the same way. Well, you know, and I'll say it wisdom. There's been a lot of wisdom shared today. So <laughs> if you won't say it, I will. 
Well, that's generous. That's nice of you. <laughs> well, how, how do people stay in touch with you? Um, I know this is a busy time, but uh, yeah, is there a yeah. best, best way if, if people do want to get in touch, um, um, how would they do that? You know, I, LinkedIn is a pretty good tool to yep. do that. Um, I think that's probably one of the better tools. There's always, uh, I think you have my email address. If you, you know, people want to get a hold of me through there, that's always a good way to do it too. Um, I try and be as accessible as possible. I don't always, you know, I, I get nailed on a daily email. So um, yeah. in the, some way in there, I got to find time for my family and work and some yeah. other stuff that I'm trying to do over here. Um, but I will try. And I, I promise uh, the more somebody puts effort into that, um, I appear. So sometimes you know it takes two or three times of rattling my cage but i'm like oh that person yes yeah yep. uh, i never get like to the point of like a person being annoying so um it actually it's good it's good that somebody wants to talk to me that much i'm like hey i, I gotta make time for this yeah. person so it's never annoying to me um i um i welcome as many people as i can into our house at Under Armour. Um, I really try and, you know, going back to what I was saying about culture, I really try and make it feel like family um, and that we're trying to look out for each other as much as we can and be honest with each other. So, um, yeah, if people want to talk, uh, I, I will try and make myself available for sure. Well, we'll include uh, your LinkedIn in, in the description for this. So if people want to cool. reach out that way, that's probably best then. That'd be well, awesome. John, you've given so much, so much time and again, wisdom. Uh, I appreciate you just being willing to share your experience. And um, there's, there's a lot there that we didn't cover. Um, we could easily do a part two, um, you know, but th- thanks. For <laughs> I love being it. Willing, th- yeah. Thanks for being willing to share it. It's so valuable yeah. and it's, and it's good to see you. Um, at some point we'll, we'll see you in person. Well, I, I, I thinking back to last summer, it was great to have you on uh, our campus mm-hmm. in Portland and um you know, you brought a couple of great people with you um, that I still remember. And um, yeah, I can't wait for us to have the opportunity to sit down across from each other again and just have some time together. Yeah. Well, hopefully sooner rather than later, but That's in right. the meantime, thanks. Thanks for all you do and uh, keep staying safe over there. You too, man. Okay, Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. Subscribe and listen for more outdoor stories and content wherever podcasts are found on HighlanderMag.com and each Sunday at 4 p.m. on Aggie Radio, 92.3 FM in Cache Valley.